0: Well, it's no secret that a lot of the issues that Alabama is having getting good things done and setting priorities straight is coming from a lack of leadership in the governor's mansion. Who leads a state matters much. We look at what's happening in Florida. What would Alabama be like if it had a Ron DeSantis? What if we had strong leadership? We don't know who that could possibly come from, but today we have someone who it definitely might be. We have Lieutenant Governor Will Ainsworth coming on. Uh, to talk about these issues that are plaguing the state. He gives strong opinions about these issues. He's very direct into the point. Uh, I, I, I appreciate it when politicians are direct and to the point uh, on big issues. We talk um, Al Dot director John Cooper and the issues he's having. Why isn't he widening 65 versus these other projects? We talk school choice, talk about the next governor's going to inherit an absolute mess with these prisons. What would he do? Uh, and much, much more. And then behind the scenes, we're going to get into courage is the great need of the hour and courage is being rewarded like never before. You look at what's happening with Jason Aldean, you look at what's happening with Trump and DeSantis leading the presidential polls on the, on the in that party, uh, RFK making huge gains in that party, uh, even Joe Rogan and Elon Musk and people like that uh, gaining favor um, among uh, conservatives when they're center left. And it's because they have courage. Courage is being rewarded. It's the great need of the hour We're gonna talk with Will Ainsworth about why that is. We have an incredible culture here in the state of Alabama, but our politics and public policy don't reflect the people of Alabama. Media drives culture. Culture is what drives politics and public policy. Welcome everyone to 1819 News, the podcast. I'm Brian Dawson, CEO of 1819 News and host of this here podcast, where we are in pursuit of a free and flourishing Alabama every single week got a great episode this week. It's going to be a unique sit-down between me and Lieutenant Governor Will Ainsworth. Uh, he's been in the news and and Twitter's been going crazy with some of the remarks he's made uh, regarding the widening of I-65, uh, failure of leadership at ALDOT. Uh, he's been behind the scenes working on some really positive things from school choice to tax cuts uh, and, and many other things, and so we're going to discuss that as well as some other challenges and say, I don't know, if he was governor, how would he handle it? But before we jump into that, I want to ask you guys to join the fight. Alabama needs 1819 News, and 1819 News needs you. Please sign up to become a member. You go to the website, 1819news.com, click the Become a Member button. Memberships start as little as $5 a month. You'll be supporting nonprofit journalism, supporting independent journalism, uh, as we pursue a free and flourishing Alabama on your behalf. So let's jump in now to the content. Will, thank you so much for coming in.
1: Yeah, now great to be on. And first, Brian, just want to say congratulations on, you know, everything you're doing with 1819 News. Uh, You know, I'm an entrepreneur at heart, right? Grown businesses. And it's been exciting to see y'all, you know, start off as small and now, you know, my opinion, you know, be a leading conservative voice um, in Alabama. I mean, that's a huge deal, but also it's needed. When you look at just what's going on right now in our country, uh, and more particularly even our state, right? And the fact that, you know, people are trying to attack, you know, what made America great, what made Alabama great. I mean, I think it's needed to, you know, have a conservative spin on journalism and, you know, tell the truth. So thank you all for what you do.
0: Well, we're happy to do it. And it's a weird world when telling the truth becomes far right.
1: Yeah, that's literally all you got to do is
0: state the facts. And they're like, they're psycho right wingers. And it's like, (laughs) I just said the truth. But you're right. And it it requires courage to tell the truth uh, right now, saying simple things that we all would have believed 10 years ago as basic truths um, are controversial. And it gets you uh a lot of hate mail and 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 people that don't like you but what I think we're learning right now is that uh for every piece of hate mail you've got another thousand people who are singing your praises and happy that you have the courage to stand up uh and and say something the things that they've been thinking about the things that they've been talking about in their living rooms um and I think that's what we're going to do for our behind the scenes segment guys is um we'll talk about why is Jason Aldean so popular why is Tucker Carlson so popular why is Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis so popular Talk about the streak about what do what, what all these people, even even though you got RFK, you've got Elon Musk, you've got Joe Rogan. All these guys are tapping into this, this shift that's happened. And we can talk about that. That'll be our behind the scenes. So make sure you sign up to become a member so you can hear that conversation. So um, well, thank you for those words. That means a lot. Yeah. Uh we work really, really hard. I've got an incredible team. Jeff Poor, the editor, you know, our editor, editor-in-chief. Um, he's amazing. i uh, just a wonderful team on down our radio crew, just everybody, uh, you know, working and it's a, it's a, it's, they work with passion. It's not just, uh, I always tell them you guys aren't here to make widgets. You guys believe in the vision, right? And they come in and they give me everything. They got everything, every single play. That's when I used to coach football, everything you got every single play. And they, and they do that. Um, and that's because they believe in what we're doing. And so, uh, I'm, I'm just grateful to, to be at the helm. Uh, and God has provided me with great people and a, and a vision that I believe that he put in my lap. So thank you.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's been exciting to watch grow. And I mean, I'll tell you one of the things, you know, dad, I've uh, been fortunate, you know, grew up with him. He's one of the most successful business guys, strong believer. But, you know, one of the things that he you know taught me that you're certainly doing here is you're only as good as the people around you, yep. right? And figure out, okay, what are your weaknesses? What areas do you need to plug people in? And man, y'all have done that. And yep. So hats off to you. I mean, you're very wise in what you're doing.
0: Well, I appreciate it. And I'm always going to point back to God and yep. say, I stumbled into this and he just continues to let me succeed. So I'm along for the journey. Um, Let's talk about what I think is the biggest hot button issue regarding you uh, right now is the, it's, it's not just the widening of I-65. I'm going to tee this up differently. So this is how I see it. And I want to kind of, what, what would you do if, if you're driving the bus, if, if Will Ainsworth is governor, what, what does he do or what, what should a governor do? Um, You've got what, what appears to be a $120 million bridge that was built unnecessarily a mile away from another bridge that has a, a fairly low toll. Sounds like, from everything I've read, John Cooper went and did a lowball deal to Baldwin County Bridge Company. They refused it, and he goes, okay, out of spite, I'm just going to go a mile down the road and I'm going to build another bridge to put you guys out of business. That's what it looks like. That's what the judge said. He said it was in bad faith, and he wrote like an 80-some page scathing rebuke that it's the worst thing he's ever seen. They halt the building um, the building of the bridge. Ike Scott Bridge Company's out, all kinds of money. They're, they're, I mean, it's just a, a horrible situation. And if that's not bad enough, I don't know. Like two weeks after the you know the Supreme Court upholds the ceasing of building the bridge, he's he's in in, in your neck of the woods, uh, threatening to shoot his neighbor over a, a property dispute, and he gets arrested. And so I feel like I would lose my job. You know, like what is what does it take to get fired as the director of a department in the state of Alabama?
1: Yeah. So uh, first, and I'll add another story right to John Cooper. So go back to my my house days in 2014 to 18. I was in the house. Uh, you know, big push to uh, pass a gas tax. Then you know, I led the charge, paid with my own money to get a video made to defeat the gas tax. You know, had yeah. Senator Phil Williams was part of that. Um, Bill Holtzclaw was one of the ones. And so we uh came out, you know, a whole group of us, right? Um, Paul, uh, Sanford, there was a group, I was in the house, they were in the Senate, yeah. but I mean we smashed it. We we yeah. beat the gas tax against some pretty powerful groups, right? Yeah. And, you know, John Cooper's retaliation for that is Bill Holtzclaw put up a billboard in Huntsville. Guess what he did? shut down the projects in Huntsville, right? And you think about the impact that had to what's going on today in Huntsville, right? The fact that that we needed that expansion yeah. there and he shut it down and so I mean, my point on John, you know, Cooper, is he's a bully. Yeah. Right? I mean, he does not care about what's in the best interest of the state. You know, he uses his office um over and over again. I hear I've had business owners call I mean, probably I get a call once a week from business owners. Give you a couple examples because I want you to understand this. Um, They buy a piece of property. Uh, There's a place in Albertville, right? It used to be Catfish Cabin, all right? Like, great thing. COVID killed it because it was mainly an older clientele, all that. So they're going to go in, bulldoze down the building, put in, you know, new restaurant there. Um, I think it's like a chicken tender place or something and, you know, maybe like a little uh, credit union there. Well, you've got entrances going in. They've been there for as long as I've been alive, right? I mean, uh, and so Aldot comes in, and I hear this all the time from business owners, oh, well, now that you bought it, we want you to go in and redo all the roads and put in another turn lane. And, you know, this is big price tag. $160,000 for a turn lane. Or more, right? I mean, like, because, you know, it's and so this is on 431 um, right there. Another uh, thing in Huntsville, right? The guy goes in, puts in a Whataburger, puts in a storage unit. Same thing, right? Oh, you can't use the existing. We want you to do all this other stuff, even though... And so I think when you look at that, the complaint I get from business owners is Aldot's not business friendly. Yeah, That's a big issue, Very. right? And so, and so I think you know, leadership goes back to the top. And the fact that he's from the business community and he's not—he's forgotten that as a business owner, man, it's tough. I mean, you know, yeah. we government should be there to help businesses, yeah. not get in the way and add extra burdens. And, you know, we should say, hey, yeah, we want to work with you. This is already there. Of course we want to let you keep that there. But instead, they put all these crazy regulations and Al died. I mean, this goes deep, right? Yeah. And so I think when you look at that, the bullying mentality, um, I can tell you on the bridge... You know, I helped kill the toll bridge down in Mobile, um, part of a group. And the amount of bullying and threats he did on that – was ridiculous, yeah. you know. Same thing on what you're talking about down in Baldwin County, you know, with the uh, you know, the toll bridge there, yeah. right? Um, not the one, not the I-10 one, but yeah. this was, you know, the one going into Orange Beach, Holy Beach Express. Yeah, I mean, same thing, right? And now he's got caught up in a lawsuit. Would love to see those records and conversations, yeah. you know, because you know his. I think his style is I'm just going to run over you and bulldoze, and and I think that's the wrong style. A government servant should be a servant, yeah, right? And and so uh, it's just frustrating, uh, I think, on that. You look at um, just projects in our state, though, um, you know, let's get back to it. So that's kind of John Cooper, my issue, yeah. right, I mean, as far as that. And I think when you look at just the fact that, you know, he is now the leader and we're going to spend a billion dollars connecting Mobile to Tuscaloosa and pay attention, I'm going to go down there and video this road and yeah. I'm going to be there live myself and I'm going to say, hey, this is, this is the area we're spending a billion dollars on. That's a two-lane road. We want to expand it to four. Probably a good idea to do that over the long-term strategy of the state, but I think as elected officials, that's not as big a priority as I-65. Yeah. I-65 is our main corridor, and the fact that he's not prioritizing that and that we're not getting stuff done that's really impacting people's frustrating. Yeah,
0: it's crazy. I mean, so yeah, and that was that would be kind of the next question is you know the importance of you know Tennessee line to to Baldwin County right like a sixty five that's wide uh, versus logging roads in West Alabama I mean yeah uh,
1: and again I mean look I think uh, we obviously have. You know, first, it goes to priorities. That's how I think you do it, right? And you say, what is the most important thing? And I think the most important need in our state right now is I-65. You look at from Tennessee line down to, um, you know, Mobile. So here's what got me thinking on this, all right? So my boys are big basketball fans, uh, and it's interesting. One of them, diehard Auburn fan. I grew up an Auburn fan. My dad was an Auburn fan. And so they're twins, Hunter and Hayes. Yeah. Hayes is an Auburn fan. Hunter, you know, wants to be different. So he's a Kentucky basketball fan.
0: Thought he was going with Alabama. I was going yeah. yeah. so, no, um, to already roll tide. Yeah. So,
1: no, the ought good basketball team this year. Yeah. So for Christmas, I got them uh, Auburn-Kentucky basketball tickets. Is that Rupp Arena? And so we drove up there, and uh, I was coming back, and all of a sudden I see, I'm 65, right? And at the Kentucky line all the way to Nashville, they're three-laned. And I said, you know, this is crazy. Another state is three-lining 65. They're using federal money, too, right, yeah. as well as state money. So it's not just state money. You're drawing down federal money. And, you know, but yet in Alabama, we can't be forward thinking. We can't think ahead. And really, I mean, this should have been, you know, in a plan. Like what's frustrating to me is not only is there a need, but there's not a plan on this. Yeah. Right. And I mean, I think that's failed leadership again with him. Yeah. Like, you know, he should have a plan. Hey, this is going to be a huge project. Let's, I mean, let's make sure everybody understands it's a massive project. Yeah. But, you know, we could start chipping away at the most congested areas first. Yeah. And then work your way, you know, to the areas that are least congested. And I mean, I think that's just common sense, uh, you know, up and you know, and a lot of people think it's just between, and I, I drive this a lot going to Montgomery because yeah. right? I live in Guntersville, got a townhouse, in Montgomery. I'm back and forth a bunch. And, uh, you know, but it's not just between Montgomery and Birmingham, North Alabama has a huge issue too, yeah. um you know, with the growth in Huntsville and Decatur. I mean, there's times there where people get off, you know, 565 there in Huntsville and it's gridlock and then, you know, and they need help because it's the fastest growing city in our state. It's going to continue to grow at a rapid race. Everything in Huntsville for the most part is moving, a lot of it's moving west on the growth, which is towards Decatur, um, towards 65. And so again, just being forward thinking and solving problems. And, uh, you know, when we react, that's not leadership, right? And so we need to really be, Saying okay, let's get a plan in place. Let's plan for the future, and uh, I think that's certainly it. Then you go to South Alabama, so let's talk about that on the tourism and the beach side, right? I mean, it's wonderful for our state, right? I think it's something like eight million visitors come to you know uh, Orange Beach and Gulf Shores every year. That's a lot, right? Yeah. And I was talking to Lieutenant Governor in uh, Oklahoma, and he sent me a message the other day, and he's like, "Man, sixty-five. I'm I'm pulling for you. You got to get that fixed. <laughs> They're flying now." to the beach instead of driving you ready for a why because of 65 yeah i mean and so when you got leaders in other states so i mean it's going to end up hurting us if we do not solve this problem because it's the main you know corridor for people to get to the coast
0: yeah and you think about it too just how how amazing and again that's one of one of my big visions with 1819 news is like yeah there's a ton of government corruption there's a lot of information that just needs to get out we inform we investigate we celebrate and and as much informing and investigating as we do love to celebrate. You think about it, the, the I-65 is so clogged because our beaches are so beautiful and there's so much to do down there. And not only that, I go down to Orange Beach all the time. Um, I'm in Baldwin County sharing the good news of 1819 News often uh, and spend a lot of time in Orange Beach. And you see private jets flying constantly coming in there, right? And it's yeah. like, this is incredible. Like we have this amazing thing. It's And it's not that it's just this amazing thing that we're having to preserve. It's like, no, it's generating tremendous revenue. Right. What Tony Kennan's doing in Orange Beach. I mean, just it's incredible. It's good for the state. And it's like you said, like this, this should be something where D- Aldot should be getting out of the way so that business can flourish. And, and, and then the state actually wins. Yep. So, um, anyway, but yeah. Well, I mean,
1: yeah. So, I mean, Marshall County, I, I grew up in Boaz, live in Gunnersville. You know, most families up there, they try to save up, right? And they go to the beach for a week. That's yep. what we do up there, right? But the way we go is we, you know, get on 65. And then, you know, it's all like that in North Alabama and other states. And so it's just frustrating to me the fact that. We know this is going to continue to have a lot of traffic. It's going to continue to grow. They're building more condos, not less there, right? I mean, so more people are going to go there. More people are finding that out. Um, You know, most people can't afford to fly there, right? I mean, so let's figure out a way to solve the problem. And not only that, but just think the amount of commerce that's on 65. Think about, you know, just if we're trying to show somebody, hey, we want you to come to our state, locate a plant here, and then we get on 65 and you're stuck for a few hours, yeah. Because we don't have a third lane, and look, there's going to be wrecks. And the thought process is, okay, if you've got three lanes, then one lane shuts down, you still got two. Yeah. Right now, if one shuts down, you only have one. If both shut down, you have nothing.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, it's just foolish. And so I think you know I'm going to continue to push as hard as I can and use as much political capital as I can because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And I mean, it, we need it for our state. And I'm not going to be quiet. And it's unusual for a lieutenant governor to get out there and call for the resignation, right, of ALDOT director, but he's not doing a good job. Yeah. You know, and so if he was, I'd be giving him a high five, saying great. You 100%. Know? And, I mean,
0: and I think the, the other challenge, and we're going to roll into this with talking about school choice, is um, Kay Ivey's biggest defense mechanism is no one wants to say anything bad about her because she's a nice, sweet old lady. But but if it was anybody else that was performing the way that she's performing, and it wasn't an old sweet lady that we all really liked, you know, then, then people would be letting her have it. Right. And so she's got like this weird defense mechanism that d- just kind of is. Um, but I think to me, if you're the governor and you've got, um, you've got a, an ALDOT director who's doing this stuff with the Bolton County bridge, the Holtzclaw stuff that you just talked about, and then getting arrested for threatening to shoot someone at that point in my administration, Governor Brian here, that's never going to happen. But it, you have to go like you're not representing my administration at all you're not benefiting the people so on and so forth so it was what was weird to me and we'll flip into school choice now no one heard from her for three months like literally nothing you know maybe like a press release we go out for our comms team or something like no like Al dot stuff going on nothing threatening to shoot people you know getting arrested nothing and then boom my office is going to be working on ESA legislation after I've been diametrically opposed to it for the last however long she's been in there. And, and so so first off, yay. Amen. Um, that's I'm, I'm, I'm super happy that she's doing that. Um, but I guess do we just want to jump into school choice or to comment on, you know, as, as a governor, if you have a, a person who's running a department rogue that way, because supposedly he didn't even he hasn't even talked to her about that bridge since 2017.
1: Yeah. So on John Cooper, then school choice, right? Yeah. So I mean, I, I think if I was governor, I'd fire him. Yeah. I wouldn't give him a chance to resign. That's how yeah. strongly I feel about that. Yeah. Now she has other cabinet members do a great job. Greg Canfield yeah. does a great job recruiting industry, yeah. right? I mean, we've got great job, you know, Lisa Tell with tourism, right? There's a lot of people that do a good job, um, you know. But on John Cooper, I mean, he's just failing at leadership in yeah. every area. Hundred percent. Right. I mean, and that's so important. That's our transportation. If we don't get that right. And, you know, one of the things that I believe is that we need to have a mindset in transportation, and it's the same mindset I've always had in business, and I was taught this from that, is you invest in the healthy part of your business that's growing. Same thing in... You know transportation. We need to invest in the you know parts of our state that are growing and that we know growth is coming, right? And we yeah. know 65 is not going to start having less traffic. Yeah. I mean, let's be realistic here. Yeah. I and mean, there's only going to be more and more people come to our great state. Yeah. We need to fix it. it should have been fixed a long time ago. So I think with that, right? Um, you know, I'm not the governor. If I was the governor, certainly he would be fired day one. Yeah. Period.
0: 100%. Okay. I Look, mean, um, I love clarity. Yeah, this I mean, is, this is refreshing. Yeah, well, that's just how I am. I mean, you know, uh, people
1: that work with me know I yeah. just make a decision. I'm blunt. Just kind of yeah. this is what I mean. So that's what on that, on school choice, Um, you know, I appreciate the governor supporting ESAs. That's yeah. going to be important. Her leadership on this, I think, is going to, you know, help us, you know, get this done. Um, yeah. You know, I was supportive of uh, Senator Stutz's bill, yeah. worked hard with a lot of groups last session. Um, you know, they just ran out the clock on us and, you know, weren't able to get it done, but I'm encouraged by the fact that, you know, governors out front, I think even people that are opposed to school choice say it's coming. Yeah. So that's a good thing. Right. I mean, cause they know that it's coming now they'll try to water it down. You know, they'll try to dilute it. They'll try to maybe kill it behind the scenes, but we're not going to let them. Yeah. I mean, we're going to, you know, um, so I look forward to finding out, you know, uh, what her plan is and, um, you know, assuming it's something you know, that I think will be a good plan, and I, I do. Yeah. I mean, it sounds good. I haven't had a chance to watch the interview yet that she did, but I think certainly that's a good thing. And then Alabama needs that, right? I mean, you look at it, the states that are leading in education are Republican-led. Yeah. Um, most of them, if not all, have you know school choice legislation. And yeah. what that boils down to is really a fundamental right, in my mind, to what made America great. And this is important that we make sure that – Everybody understands this, and for your listeners out there. But it's really about, like, does government and the school system know what's best for your child, or does the parent? Yeah. Right? And so the parent does. Yeah. It's real simple. And so school choice really boils down to, okay, we're going to let parents decide what's best for their child, not um, a zip code or where you live or whatever the situation is. Right. Yeah. And so I think that's important. And I think, you know, it doesn't need to be just private school choice. It needs to be public school choice. Yeah. Um, cause you know, Marshall County, we got five or six schools. Technically we're zoned. Um, so you me tell you a little bit about my kind of sure. s- situation, my kids. So, um, we, um, live in, uh, well, we have a Gunnersville address, but we live in the County. And so we would have, um, actually been in a uh, school system i think it was i don't know if it was a failing school system but one that wasn't as good um but we gunnersville had a thing where you could just you know pay i think it's 300 dollars a kid or something to get in same way yeah so we did gunnersville right and it um you know historically has been a you know top 10 15 right now i think it's top 50 but i mean they're doing a lot of things i think they'll get back up um but you know we had a good experience there um you know, kids did elementary school. Um, Kendall, my wife, worked, um, you know, front office at the elementary school. She enjoyed that. And uh, and so our kids, I felt, did good up until COVID. Okay, during COVID, um, I think like a lot of schools, our kids, you know, you know, children in different schools just fell behind, uh, a lot of virtual stuff, um, you know, and I'm for in-person schooling, yeah. right? I mean, I pushed as hard as anybody once I kind of understood everything. Yeah. they like, we got to get people back to work, back to school. And so, I mean, we made a decision to send our kids to a private Christian school in Huntsville called Whitesburg, right? It's a, um, And I love it. It's great, yeah. right? I mean, so my kids have a Bible class, right? I mean, it's yeah. outstanding. I mean, so... You know, they're learning about that. Um, the academics are excellent, right? I mean, they're learning stuff and getting pushed like they never have before. And so for us, you know, um, I think that's great because, you know, one, they're getting biblical truth taught. Yeah. And two, they're getting, um, you know, really good academic,
0: Rigorous academic, yeah. not, not having to go with the lowest common denominator yeah. situation. And yeah. kind
1: of what tipped me off on before that they were, because I'm not, uh, I don't, I'm not that – you know, they make good grades. Okay, good job, right? Yeah. So we were going on a hunting trip. We are going mule deer hunting in West Texas. We love hunting. Yeah. Like, it's – that's like my passion. I see you on Facebook. Yeah, I love it. I mean, like, you know, I made my living in the hunting and fishing business and then realized, all right, I better make my living doing something else and enjoy hunting and fishing. Because when you're in the hunting and fishing business, you really don't get to hunt and fish much yourself. You take other people. But I love the outdoors. And so we are going mule deer hunting in West Texas. And I remember asking Hunter, I'm like, hey man, don't you need to do your homework? And he's like, I already got it all done. And I'm like, What do you mean? He's like, Well, I usually get my work done for school on like, you know, Monday or Tuesday, and the rest of the week I can just do other stuff. I was like, What do you do? He's like, Well, I can just play on a computer, or whatever. And that's when I was like, Whoa. You know, like that and then so I started look, diving into it. Well, a lot of the teachers' time was spent on kids that were way behind. You know, they were in probably sixth never grade should at the have time. been past
0: the year before. Correct. Yeah. Right.
1: And, you know, they were in um And they're way behind because of COVID, right? And so they were in sixth grade at the time, and some of these kids were on, like, third grade level in reading or math. So the teachers spending their time trying to get these kids up, and I understand that, right? But then the problem is then, you know, it kind of holds back the kids at the top, right? The kids even in the middle. Yeah. And so that was part of our what tipped me off to, okay, maybe I need to look at doing something different. Now, let's talk about why ESAs and school choice matters. You know, I'm fortunate enough we've got – you know, always been very blessed to have good businesses, I can yeah. afford to pay it, yeah. right? A lot of people can't, right? So, I mean, having that $6,500, whatever the number is, to go, you know, at our school, it's like, you know, right at around like 10 grand or something yeah. a year, okay? Um, some are less, some are more, you know, some private schools are a lot more, but that's, you know, but if the 6500 is a lot of people that could maybe afford 3500 yeah, you know, and then get their and then the idea is, well, that's the state money. No, no. Everybody's paying taxes, right? Yeah. And so we got to make sure the message on that's correct. And the message on that is the right message is that, you know, I'm paying money. If I'm not sending my kid to that to that school, I should be able to take my money and use it for homeschool or private school or whatever you decide, yeah. right? Or go to another public school. Yeah. Expansion
0: and, of charter schools.
1: Um. So that's kind of our life thing. And it's been great, right? I mean, we still love Gunnersville, love the school system. Um, it just, and I'll say this, I mean, it was a challenging time with COVID, yeah. right? So I don't blame the teachers, or administrators. I mean, it was, that was difficult. And, yeah. you know, and I think that's pretty across the board. But for us, um, that was, we decided as parents what was best for our child. What I don't want to do is when we need to have ESAs in Alabamas now, that opens the door up to everybody, to where they can decide if they did want to do a private school option or another public school, then they have that option.
0: And now the public schools are going to have to compete for dollars, right? which means that all the woke nonsense and all that other stuff, they're going to have to really look hard and be like, do we really want to do this? Or do we want to get our money? Mm, well, let's go ahead and try and get some, you know, and, and, and any capitalist knows competition breeds success. Uh, and I think with, you know, <clears throat> economic incentives being something that's really important to our government and something that drives me crazy. Cause I think it's anyway, that's a conversation for another podcast, but I believe lining up, okay, if we believe economic incentives is good, well, we need to have good schools, right? right. If if we're wanting corporations oh, yeah. to come here and we're going to spend big money to get the next plant here, the next whatever, well, we need to have good schools for them, or at least good options, one. And then two, those people 10 years from now need people to work at their plant. And if we can't read, we can't work at the plant. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And so it's so much bigger than, and, and again, first and foremost, it's, Parents' sovereignty over their children and right to make those decisions—we're empowering them to do that. And then the and then the 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 downstream benefit of that for everybody is an educated populace in Alabama, a much better educated. Where we're creating workforce, and then and then when you're doing the economic incentives, now there's places for them, the educated people to stay here. So we're keeping our smart people here in Alabama, and on and on it goes. So um, I think it's great. Another thing I really appreciate about you, um, the AEA is just like this big feared, whatever. And, and people like, I'll start talking to them and they're like, well, I don't want to make a man. And I'm like, okay. Um, you, you don't suffer from that. It's, no, um, which is it, another thing that's refreshing. Um, you you've come out <laughs> multiple times publicly and, and kind of put them in their place and I appreciate that.
1: Yeah. I mean, so AEA, look, there's a lot of good people that are teachers that are members of AA, but I mean, they don't scare me at all. I mean, yeah. you know, when I ran for the house the first time, uh, Henry Mabry, you know, was yeah. the chair of AA. That's back when they had a pretty big stick. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I met with them and I said, hey, you know, what are some of the things you want to do? I said, I want to get rid of tenure. I yeah. was like, I had a personal experience at Boaz where I had one of the worst teachers, you know, maybe in, you know, history of the county, right? And she was tenured and they couldn't fire. I want to get rid of it. Yeah. And so, I mean, they ended up spending 400000 against me in my, you know, house race, supporting a Democrat. It was fun. We beat them. You know, I mean, but... So I don't, I don't care about you know. They, I did not
0: know what you just said. Oh, That's incredible. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: run against Jeff McLaughlin. You know he didn't take campaign contributions, right? Yeah. So they did third party ads against me. Wow. And uh, you know, and so, but we beat him sixty forty. And, uh, you know, so they don't scare me. And then, you know, next election, oh, well, they support me, right? But not yeah. because I support them. Yeah. It's because I they guess they thought I was going to win. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, but, you know, they gave me, I think it was 50000 when I ran the first time for lieutenant governor after I won the primary. The, then the last cycle, they gave me ten. So I'm fine with, you know, if they want to support well, me, that's fine. But I'm not going to support their agenda. I'm going to do what's best for the state.
0: Yeah. And so we've obviously covered the money that goes to Republicans from AEA. And where it becomes suspicious to me is when you begin to see behavior that lines up with the money. You've you've come out, we've written multiple articles where you've been outspoken against things that the AA is doing. So at that point you can see that, that that there's not a a loyalty issue there. So I think that's good. All right. Um
1: let's see. Hold on. One other thing sure. on school choice I was going to um what was the other thing? Oh, you talked about competition. Yeah. Right? And I think um you know, when you look at that, I think that's so important because it's going to Drive people to work harder. Right. And so my kids play sports. I coach them in sports. Um, I love competition because it makes people drive. And I think like grid is such an important um, factor in whether somebody's going to be successful or not, whether they keep pushing and pushing. You know, we need that in schools. You know, and right now the model we have is you're on for this school, you go there. And if the teacher's the best teacher in the world, they get paid the same. If they're the worst teacher in the world, they get paid the same. If the school performs well, you know, your kid goes there. If the school doesn't perform well, your kid goes there. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's backwards, right? Right. I mean, and so it's everything that made America great. We do the opposite in our schools. Yeah. And so we need to really tweak that model. Yeah. And uh, I think we need to have stuff to, I think school choice is part of it. I think get rid of tenure, you know? I mean, I think, look, if you're not a good teacher, you know, you're gone. Yeah. Period, right? And then I think we need to really look at this some Dell Marsh pushed and you know Dell's gone, but he pushed a lot of good education stuff. Yeah. Um but one of the things he thought and you know he got this from being in business and you know, how you motivate salespeople is paying teachers based on how they perform. So the idea is crazy thought. Yeah. So (laughs) the kids come in they say, Oh, how are you going to do that? Well, kids come in, let's test them all. Right. And you give a base score for, you know, their test level or whatever. And then at the end of the year, how much did they grow? Right. And so it's not, if your kids, if you start off with a group that's lower, that's fine. But How much growth did they have? Right. It'd be easy to do. And uh, you know, I think then, you know, um, on education, attacking the woke stuff, right? I mean, I've it's kind of crazy. I've heard even in Marshall County, uh, you know, furries, right? I mean, yeah. no, you're even male or female, period, <sighs> right? No, I mean, yeah. honestly, I mean, these it's are things so that we crazy. have to push back on. Neat. Yeah. Right? I mean, you're male or female, yeah. how God created you, and that's what you are, Yeah, right? And I think, you know, making sure that, you know, and if schools, to your point, are going to go crazy on this woke stuff, then guess what's going to happen? Yeah. That school's not going to have any students. It's going to shut down. Yeah. And we don't need to be afraid of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I I mean,
1: so it's
0: good stuff. All right. So, this one is not uh, an area that you've talked about a lot, but I think if you become governor, this is something that you're going to run into. And I'm just going to read it because I have it written out and I think it's better. So, the the next governor, whoever it is, mm -hmm. is going to inherit a prison disaster. Okay. A freaking disaster. This parallels George Wallace and Fob James in the late 1970s. The federal government took over Alabama's prisons. Wallace made it about federal government overreach, but it was ultimately James who was saddled with the problem. Might Alabama's next governor inherit a costly prison problem from Governor Kay Ivey? The legislature allocated $1.3 billion for two mega prisons in 2021, but as things are going, $1.3 billion might not even be enough for the one in Elmore County. So, and it says the cumulative rate of inflation since the 2021 prison special session is only 11.2 percent, yet the cost of the Elmore County facility has gone up at least 56 percent. So question, how might a federal takeover of the Alabama Department of Corrections hamstring the next governor? Uh, what could IV ADOC, the legislature do now, if anything, to prevent that from getting out of control?
1: Yeah, so yeah, first, a federal takeover would be bad for our state. And so um, I think when you look at it, the new facilities, um, us dragging our feet on that certainly wasn't a good thing, right? And I think uh, failed leadership, she made a change in leadership, which is good, right? And so I think they're moving. I mean, we have a construction company, right? I mean, so I know something about the construction side. And I can tell you that, yes, costs went up, but guess what? They're going back down substantially. Now, concrete which you know um has been you know kind of a little bit higher and obviously prison's going to require a lot of that or not a lot of wood i mean um but so but i mean lumber's going way down and so i think on that um on the construction side i think there are you know there are ways to save money there are ways to continue to make sure we negotiate to get the best price there and then i think you know my thought on the prison situation is right um I'm fine with building new prisons and having more places for uh, inmates to stay, and you know uh, other facilities we have. If we can rehab them, do that because I think a good deterrent to a crime is prison. Yeah, right. And if you do something wrong, there needs to be a punishment. 100. And so this idea that we need to let people out, I'm not for. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm not. I mean, I know that's some people's idea that oh, we need to do this, and but I just don't believe that. I mean, because I think there's got to be you know, a deterrent and a punishment to the crime. And if there's not, then what's going to stop people from, you know, committing crimes? Uh,
0: So as someone who spent five years in prison, got sentenced to 16, did five and was facing 300. Right. So that's where I'm coming from. You absolutely have to have accountability. I talked to Steve Marshall about this when he came in and that the best thing you can do for someone that's in that poor situation, you can have compassion. The best thing you can, it's like your child, you have to spank them. You know, you have to correct them. They have to understand that you can't do this. We don't tolerate that here. Right. And, and, and it is making them face their, their punishment. And I would argue, um, from sex trafficking to murder and, and everything else. We have not not just Alabama, just as a nation, we have failed to uphold what I believe is God's standard by um, taking the life of someone who's who's committed a capital punishment, and because of that, there's no fear of God before the eyes of people, and and the 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 consequences of that is rampant in these you know in in cities and in other places. There's no fear of God before their eyes, and and so anyway, that's. My two cents yeah, coming right. from you Amen. know uh, a person yeah. who's been there, you have to have that accountability. It's the best thing you can do for somebody.
1: so if I was governor, I would you know continue with the construction of the prisons I think we got to have those. I would rehab the prisons we could have and then I would assess where we're at and do we need to build another prison right I mean yeah. but I think we've got to have space um, that's got to be a priority in the state right and um, unfortunately, the state's doing well you know um, we can afford to build yeah. these right now, so that's a positive we're not. You know, like when I came in in 2014, we had an $800 million deficit, right? Um, We had a $3 billion surplus, right? So I mean, the state is doing well. And I think to your point, right, I mean, so I don't know. I look forward to learning more about your background. Man, I think it's awesome, you know, how God, you know, changed you using you now, right? I mean, look at what you're doing, right? But that's a success story that, you know, we got to figure out how do you take people, you know, that— did something right, and then how do they change and get back in the workforce, right, once they get out? I mean, because that's huge. And so using workforce development and trying to get them trained, because um, I believe God can change people, right? And I believe God can, you know, certainly, you know, you go to prison or, you know, even if you don't, if you get in trouble and, right, you know, get on probation, like things can wake you up. Yeah. And uh, so figuring out as a state, Okay, so that's the other part, right? There's some people that are locked up, even going to forever, right? And they yeah. need to be, you know? Um, and then 100%. there's others that, you know, um, how can we rehabilitate them or whatever? You know, if they if they stole, right? Teach them how to have a career where they don't need to steal. Yeah. You know, um, if they're in doing drugs, you know, teach them a trade where they don't need to go sell drugs. 100%. You know, I mean, so those type of people you can help, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, people that are murderers, people that are child molesters, I mean, they need to be locked away. Or killed. Right? yes. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And so yeah. and I support the death penalty, yeah. I always have. I mean, I think if you kill somebody, you know, your life you should you know, your life yeah. you know should be taken as well. 100%. So, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, so that's kinda on that. I mean, I think, uh but I think certainly the goal needs to be to not let the feds take over. I think we also gotta make sure we don't let contractors take advantage of the state.
0: Yeah and they will
1: okay yeah and so you know i mean (laughs) making sure we get enough you know bids out there that you know that's done correct is important because uh some of the cost to build on this is getting you know it's expensive
0: yeah it's crazy um okay uh another one so we did um something that we just kind of noticed you you preside over the senate Mm -hmm. president of the senate as part of being lieutenant governor So two Democrats, Roger Smitherman and Bobby Singleton, took up 77% of the floor time on the Senate floor this session. So as someone who presided over the Alabama Senate, you saw it firsthand. These are the rules, and those two Democrats were using the rules on the books. However, Alabamians have now twice given Republicans a supermajority in both chambers of the legislature, yet those two Democrats tied up a lot of the business of the Alabama State Senate such overwhelming numbers four times smitherman had 46% singleton 32 everyone else combined had 22% um is that a representation of what voters who elected a gop supermajority deserve
1: yeah so on that and i enjoyed talking with y'all's reporter on that yeah. um you know kind of walking them through all the rules and a yeah. uh, good guy i think he just graduated college at right Sharp guy yeah
0: uh it would have been will yeah. it sounds like yeah
1: yeah um so all right so on that um the rules are adopted each quadrennium, right? There's some precedent that, you know, you continue to keep certain rules. Now, they could change the rules. The yeah. Senate could, right? Um, I don't have a vote on that. Yeah. Um and then you also have, you know, constitution, right? And I mean that you've got to follow. So there's that's the kind of the guidelines, excuse me, the guidelines that determine what we do in the Alabama Senate, right? And then I gotta know both to make sure we're following that. Yeah. So they adopted their set of rules. Um, so when we're talking about filibustering, yeah which is what they're doing. So, you know, you could eliminate that, right? But, I mean, when Republicans were in the minority, you know, that's what they used, just like Senator Tuberville. Yeah. You know, he's using – you know, they don't have a lot of tools to be in the minority, but he's using, you know, his tool, um, which I appreciate. I think it's yeah. great, man, what Dude, he's doing. I mean, unbelievable. Like, and uh, you talk about somebody like just – and I'm coming back to this, but you talk yeah. about somebody like using their tool and now – I feel like these people are filing him, right? And uh, on that. And, uh, but that's, he doesn't have a lot of options, but he does yeah. have the option to hold that. Yeah. And he's done it, you know? And so, um, all right. So then you go, all right. So now let's go to the Senate. All right. Republicans don't really, I mean, they go up there and talk for a little bit, maybe get their questions. Um, the way it works in the process, Bill gets introduced, goes to committee usually most of the stuff is worked out in committee.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, like uh, Republicans are going to get their questions, they're going to get their amendments on in committee. That's the process. Yeah. Not always. Yeah. Okay, but that's normally where the amendments go on. And then if you watch, it comes to the floor, and then the amendments have already been worked out. So a lot of the debate happens in committees. Now, if somebody surprises you or subs a bill or does something different, then a lot of debate can happen on the floor. So the reason that's like that is the Republicans aren't really up there just to stall. Yeah. You know, they're not. I mean, they're – but whereas the Democrats, they're being strategic. Yeah. And there's only a few of them that really are strategic in the Senate um, as far as using the time. And it's uh, Senator Smitherman – and Senator singleton yeah and it could be that maybe they don't want a waterworks bill passed yeah and they're gonna run out the clock or something or try yeah. to right or it could be um, maybe there's some social issue you know I mean um, so you could change the rules I mean you know hypothetically uh, but then you got to say okay then or what are you going to change it to you know in the house you've got um, 10 minutes twice in the Senate you got and that's on each motion right, right? in the ha- in the Senate you got an hour twice so two hours per member but there's a lot less yeah um but then we have the ability to cloture right i know y'all highlighted that in your article and so the senate can cloture on any issue and that cuts off debate you know within an hour and then you run through but then there's just a lot of stuff they can do i mean have bills read at length yeah you know i mean um that are things that they can you know on each uh resolution you know ask it be read at length at each uh you know um on debating confirmations, right? I mean, so, I mean, I guess you could take away, you know, all the debate tools, but then what about if you're a Republican and there's a bad bill you want to kill? Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, so I don't know. I would not be in favor of changing the rules. Now, I'll say as presiding officer, I certainly get tired of hearing, you know, Democrats filibuster, but that's just what I – hired part do, of it you know i mean and
0: yeah the challenging again from a, a constituent when it looks like i'm not saying you but just the house senate whatever if there's some bills that leadership doesn't want to get passed mm-hmm. they've got no problem with them jabber jawing for hours at a time oh sorry we ran out of time right so that's yeah. one of the things how it looks from our our point of view is like hey there's the bill that i wanted to get passed and it's not going to make it
1: Yeah, I mean, I think think for the most part, I mean, I think Greg Reed does a really good job in the Senate. I mean, he's one of the most godly men I know down there, him and Dan Roberts, right? I mean, they are both, like, just solid godly men, try to do what's right, Uh, both good friends. And, I mean, I think Senator Reed's he kind of views his goal as, uh, you know, trying to help the, um, obviously, as Republican, you know, being a Republican, help the Republicans get their bills passed. Um. also keep the process going where we are able to get past. Because if we wanted to, they could just totally blow the day. I mean, because yeah. if you got to cloture stuff, then okay, he can cloture, but then he can ask the bill to be read. In a budget, you're looking at like eight hours Yeah. that we have to sit there. So yeah. then, I mean, so there's tools they have that if we totally just send them off the rails that they can use to still disrupt the day. Yeah. Is that so? I mean, no, this is good. This is yeah, like I you're, mean, you preside over the Senate. I've right. never, I, I mean,
0: I was in the Senate once. And yeah. That was that day. And I saw, <laughs> <Sorry>. yeah. Um, <laughs> I've only
1: been there one time. So, so I think he does a good job. I really do. I mean, yeah. I think, um, and it's a tough job. I mean, because what he's trying to do is help Republicans with their priorities get their bills passed. Um, and then, you know, and then if there's Democrat priorities that everybody agrees with, okay, that's fine. Yeah. But then the liberal stuff, you know, we don't pass it. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's really rare. And um but I do think it's important to still have the process in place to where if there's a bad bill that Republicans can use those tools too yeah. to that kill it. Sense. I mean, I think that's important.
0: Okay. Well, that's good. And I think that was clarifying. It was actually Nick Treglia that did that, not Will. Yeah. We got two guys that are right out of college. Right, okay. I, I, think, I wanted to correct that. Yeah, but anyway. Give them attribution. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Last question. We got to wrap up and we'll go to our behind the scenes. So archives in history, that was obviously mm-hmm. a big deal. Um, they came out and did like a full blown, like gay fest um, thing when they had government money, pride, all that stuff. And so Is defunding archives and history for the LGBT luncheon warranted and then would enacting such a punitive measure send a message to state bureaucracies that defy the wishes of the Alabama legislature?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It sends a message, and I think we're going to in the regular session. Yeah. Um, You know, if the uh, special session wouldn't have been so, you know, controversial, I think you would have seen it then. But I think there's the will of Republicans to send a message that that's not okay. Yeah hundred percent, you know, we don't need to be indoctrinating children. And, and, and I mean.
0: we're, this is Alabama. Like right. this is not, you know, Maryland or California or something like that. Like, it, and, and that is, that is the, the biggest reason I started eighteen nineteen is because I see the people of this state. I've been here for nine years now. All seven of my children were born in Alabama. I love the people. I love the place. And then, and I see a lot of what happens in government. And again, it's a lot of it. There's like permanent Washington. There's permanent Montgomery too, right? That's the bureaucratic. And then some of the legislators, it's about a third, a third, and a third. Third are there to do what's right. A third are there that will go whichever way the wind blows. Another third are there to line their pockets. That's just the nature of it. But to me, I would love to see kind of like if DeSantis is able to get Florida to behave so conservative, imagine what real leadership could do in Alabama where the people already are conservative, right? Yeah.
1: No, absolutely. And I think you you hit on something. I mean, you know, the uh, bureaucrats' mindset is I'll outlast you. Well, not yeah. if you're fired.
2: Yeah. Amen. It, it
1: sends a message. Yeah. I mean, but that's really what they yeah. think. Oh, well, I'll, I'll outlast you. You'll be gone. You're not going to yeah. stay in politics. And, and I mean, that mindset drives me crazy. Yeah. I mean, and so I think in that situation, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of stuff, right? Not only funding stuff, but restructuring the board. I mean, this stuff just can't happen in Alabama. 100%. Should happen anywhere yeah. in the U.S. I mean, you know, I mean, no, 100%. Anyway. I mean, like, and,
0: and at, like you, like, I, I look at DC and I'm like, if Trump can't fix DC, I can't fix DC. I spent my career leading up to starting 1819 News and national media, national fundraising, national politics, and public policy, you know, <laughs> poured tons of effort and time uh, into trying to fix the country and realized it was like trying to put out the sun with a water pistol. Yeah, can't do it. But I, I think we, I, I know. I believe with everything in me, we can make Alabama better.
1: Oh yeah, no and, doubt. And, and I just think we just got to have zero tolerance for that. Hundred percent. Right. I mean, libraries, public library. I mean, and you know, you start, you know, you fire a shot and shut some of this stuff down. It'll send a message. Hundred yeah. percent. No.
0: And that's and that that's what's missing, I think, right now. And so, uh, love to hear that. Thank you so much for for taking the time to come see us, talk to us, shoot straight. Um, really appreciate
1: it. Yeah. No. Always great to be on. And you know, anytime you want me on, be glad to come talk issues.
0: Awesome. Love it. All right, guys. Well, that'll wrap up today's episode, but we've got a behind the scenes for our paying members. If you're not, you're not going to want to miss this. We're going to be jumping into courage is the great need of the hour. We see politicians, media personalities, uh, country music singers. It doesn't matter where right now, the people who are standing up to the mob and saying, no, not with my kids. You don't No, We're not going to do that here. Um, They are thriving right now and they are being rewarded like never before we're going to talk about why that is so again 1819news.com click become a member membership start as little as five dollars a month do that today and until next time put your trust in God and keep your powder dry